Welcome to today's episode of The Square. I'm really excited to be here with Stacy Bremer, who is VP and Project Design Manager in our healthcare sector. Thank you for being here, Stacy. Thank you. So um, we uh, have some really cool stuff to talk about. I can't wait to get into KP and some of the project that we projects we've been working on. But before we do that, tell me a little bit about you and growing up and your path to design. So I, uh, my dad was in sales, so okay. I grew up all over the country, yeah. um, and I knew probably when I was in seventh or eighth grade that I wanted to be an interior designer. That there was, seems early. It, yeah, yeah. I did. I read a lot of books. Okay. Um, when you move a lot, that's yeah. what you do. And um, one of the series of books had a main character that was an interior designer. Oh, okay. And so I decided that's what I wanted to be. Fair enough. And and you it wasn't like it. it wasn't like when you want to be president or you want to be an astronaut. This was no. something that you stuck with the whole way through. Well, it was a little more achievable than an astronaut, <laughs> but yes. Fair enough. Was there was there aside from it being character in a book, was there do you remember like thinking about the world differently or noticing design from a young age? I, I think I loved to, as cliche as it sounds, I loved rearranging things. Mm-hmm. I liked making things work better than they did if you just plopped the stuff in there. Um, every new house was a new opportunity yeah. to try and figure <laughs> out the best way to arrange things. Yeah. Um, and I think understanding that there were certainly circumstances which were a whole lot better than others, right? Because you were having to constantly change how you approached a space or how you moved in it. Sure. So I think all of that impacted how I thought about design. That's awesome. So you knew you wanted to be an interior designer. Um, What were kind of the next steps? Where'd you go to school? So I went to the Art Institute of Dallas. Mm -hmm. Um, At the time, it was a CETA-accredited program, so I was able to get licensed and everything like that. And I think... One of my big goals was to just get out and start making money. (laughs) And that program was three years. So I graduated from college at 21 um, and started working at Corgan. And and you've been here since. I'm a boomerang. Are you? Okay. Yeah. So I started here and I worked for almost four years. And then... um, Was that in specifically the interior design or was that in healthcare? It was in corporate. Okay. Yeah. So back then corporate interiors served all the sectors except for aviation. Got it. And so I worked on healthcare projects while I was on corporate interiors, and that's how I really got to know the healthcare team mm-hmm. who I would come back later with yeah. to work with solely. So so um, why, why healthcare? I mean, there's so many different kind of flavors, if you will, of interior design. What is it about healthcare that kind of draws you in? So... I, my dad sold medical equipment. Okay. Um, my grandfather was a doctor. Fair enough. So I had healthcare sort of in the family, yeah. if you will. And as my career progressed, I became more aware of being able to improve people's lives. And I felt like the healthcare market was something where design was not being used enough mm-hmm. and this is you know 15 years ago at the sure. time. it wasn't being used enough to improve that quality of life like we live we live 
on this incredibly beautiful planet and we were dying in these horrible yeah. boxes, right? White, sterile. Yeah. yeah. And and I thought if if I can give anything to somebody who is with their family in their last moments, right. that's not what I want them to experience. Yeah. So I, I love that background because my dad's a doctor, so I spent a ton of time, especially on the weekends, like going and doing rounds with him. Mm-hmm. And um, he was, he's a cardiovascular surgeon, so we would go to the ICUs. And sometimes the ICUs didn't even have rooms, right? It's just a curtain between them. Right. And they were super functionally motivated. And um, it wasn't until I, I started doing some of the projects with the healthcare team that I, you know, you, you kind of connect the dots. You have this duh moment where it's like, these are places where, if you're there, it's a really high chance. It's a high-stress environment for you, right? Mm-hmm. If you're having to visit the hospital, probably something's gone wrong. Maybe only in the labor and delivery room, and even then the it's still only, a high stress. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so thinking about design as something that can um, be calming and be something even as simple as wayfinding to be able to know your way from a hospital room to the cafeteria mm-hmm. or – um, to other parts of the hospital is is a huge thing. And I um, I'm curious the the some of the best design it feels like is probably goes completely unnoticed because it's so intuitive. Right. Tell me a little about how that works in a hospital. The goal of good healthcare design to me is that the design supports the user but doesn't scream at the user. Mm. Like you mentioned, they are dealing with a very stressful situation. And the most important thing for them to think about is their loved one or themselves and kind of walking through that. So we want to provide positive distraction where we can, but nothing should inhibit them like I can't find food, where to eat, right. I haven't slept in 23 hours. Like none of that stuff should be what they have to think about. Yeah. They should be able to focus on the important stuff. I, it's, it's I, you know, when my first son was born, he had um, some medical issues right up front and we had to go to the NICU. And I vividly remember it's like two o'clock in the morning for whatever reason, it was just poor layout. The NICU was like at the other end of the hospital and three levels down. And I'm trying to take my wife in a wheelchair. We're trying to get there. And it, we had to ask two different people how to get there. It's Again, it's one of those things you don't notice until you realize it's not done well. Right. Um, is, there, is there a project that stands out in your mind as something that, you know, you, you really feel like you nailed it? Like that was – this was something – a project that really stood out as really – excellent design so we just uh, recently completed the methodist midlothian Mm -hmm. project um i think our advantage was we had a very sophisticated client you know they they knew what they wanted they had great team leadership that really helped um with that process and we were able to achieve i think a fantastic product that you know two years later we're still getting oh people loved it they they loved the space that they were in they felt like it was easy to move around it really uh, ministered to them Mm -hmm. in that so i think um i think that that's a project that i'm really proud of as we were talking about earlier so often particularly older hospitals are uh, it's almost like they were rubber stamped like they're very sterile very white very blocky Mm -hmm. um 
and I've had the pleasure of working on some projects with you, and they're kind of the antithesis of that. There's, it, they're very kind of unique and creative and um, something that says something both about the location and, you know, whoever the client is. How do you start that process to create a design that's creative but also still serves the functional logistical needs? So um, I, I love to think of buildings having a place, you know, so I often look at location a lot to understand what the regional impacts are that you're dealing with. Um, maybe if they have a site already picked out, what that is impact is going to have. I also have the good fortune to work with some amazing exterior architects. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that the interior should be a blending of what's happening on the outside of a building as well and let that space speak to me. I, I knew um, when I first <laughs> went to school, I looked at architecture, but I like I like those walls to yeah. help inform what's happening inside. Like I like the box yeah. to design inside <laughs> of. And so um, I, I think it's so interesting to kind of look at that box and close my eyes and visualize what it would be like to walk through that space and what I'm feeling or what they could be feeling in that environment and then sort of like oh I want to draw their eye down here so mm. I need to focus an element there it's it's sort of that blend of regional and exterior that all impacts what I'm trying to do you're really kind of attacking the design from a bunch of different angles too and I'm thinking to some of the stuff that we did with KP and even thinking through the what um, design impacts a sense of smell can have with olfactory design tell me a little bit about that so I, th I think it's so funny that you bring that up. Everybody, when you ask them about hospitals, healthcare in general, right? Yeah. Oh, it's how bad it smells. Yeah, the chemical smell. Exactly. Yeah. It's the cleaners <laughs> or just that weird, like, funky cafeteria smell yeah. that some places have. <laughs> kind of clings to you when you walk exactly, through the space. Yeah. Exactly. And, um, you know, in the research that Hugo has done here at Corgan, it's been fascinating to see how much that sense of smell impacts our memory. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people, hospitals rarely contain good memories yeah. for people, right? Um, but that that sense of smell triggers those negative memories and can, can increase anxiety. It can increase blood pressure. And if you're already in a healthcare setting, yeah. having increased heart rate, increased blood pressure, probably not Generally the not best a good thing. thing. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so um, by, by looking to design to all five senses, including that sense of smell and removing the stigma of a bad experience um, through the, the use of olfactory design, we can help with that memory trigger Mm -hmm. um, and we can also impact the way the space is perceived. You were talking about renovations earlier. Yeah. A lot of larger hospitals, they're landlocked or they, they may be in a situation where doing a new ground-up hospital is just not possible for right. them. But they're dealing with the need to improve the overall feel of the facility and um, that sense of smell can impact how you perceive space, which can be just another tool in yeah. our toolkit to kind of rebrand or relife a building. 
I'm curious, you know, when you have occasion, I know you have some children and whatnot, when you have occasion to be in a hospital, are you like nitpicking the hospital as you go? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's got to make a lot of your design personal for you, too. It does. Yeah, I think... I think spaces, uh, well, I can't say it doesn't It doesn't serve as a positive distraction for me <laughs> in general. Enough. Again, right? You know, you're in a stressful yeah. situation. So. Think about something else. Exactly. <laughs> um, but I think the fact that healthcare and hospitals touch almost every person's mm-hmm. life in the United States and even in most of the, the developed world is a unique opportunity, right? Not everyone maybe will transfer in an airport, although that's getting less and less, True. right? Yeah. They, they may not all go to an office building every day, but the idea that at some point in their life they will be in a healthcare setting yeah. is almost inevitable. So um, it's, a, it's an opportunity to have a huge impact, I think, on, on people and their lives. All right, so let's shift gears for a second. Tell me something that you do that is important to you completely outside of work. Well, I've got two small kids, so there's just not a whole lot of time to do anything but them. Outside of that, there's not a lot left <laughs> <Right>. over. <laughs> I know I how like that to read is. Books. Okay, what kind of books do you like to read? Still, uh, so I read a lot of leadership books. Okay, but then I am also a hardcore fantasy novel girl. Oh, there you go. Yes, and your fa- amongst your favorites would be. Uh, so I like Mercedes Lackey. Okay. She's probably one of my favorite authoresses, yep. but, um, you know, give me wizards any day. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, if you weren't an architect and wizard was off the table, right. what would you be? Uh, a botanist. Really? Yeah. Why is that? So, uh, science was my other love okay. in high school, and I actually... That kind of fits with where you ended up. <laughs> right. I looked at a school where I could double major in interior design and botany. Okay. Very different paths. Yes. Um, but I think I saw the creative side of that, too. Like, I loved the genetics of plants mm-hmm. and how you could create something new out yeah. of something that was already there. So. Do you find the... Um, the an, an organic influence coming into your design when you do designs yeah i i love plants i still well i used to garden yeah. for the kids <laughs> yeah. um but yeah no i i still think nature has such um an incredible impact on humans in general and that we could do a better job of looking to nature for influence than yeah. we do how have you seen the role of technology kind of changing how you design? And, and I get that that's kind of a general question, but I'm more specifically thinking um, there was a project we did a while back where it was kind of re- rethinking through um, what a doctor's visit would look like in these kiosks that you, you know, took all the vitals and whatnot and, and made the experience um, you know, more uh, both quicker and more pleasurable to be there instead of just kind of being poked and prodded. But is is the is the influence of technology been something that's positive is it how is it affecting your design so technology has absolutely had a huge impact on the way we design people are used to having technology as a huge part of their lives mm-hmm. and the commoditization of healthcare has created this need for 
um, medical providers to be able to sort of check that box for people. It's no longer just about the function of visiting a doctor. They have to enjoy the visit. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because that score, those scores impact how much they get reimbursed and when money's in, in the conversation that yeah. always has an impact. But um, so technology has improved things in, in ways that it has allowed people to customize their experience more. I think that you um, have people who want a low touch, meaning they don't want very much interaction mm -hmm. with the staff or sure. people around them. And now they can make an appointment without having to talk to somebody on the phone. They can walk straight to their exam room and they don't even have to talk to the receptionist. Yep. I mean, it is a very, very uh, in their control kind of situation. Um, it means you have to, to design more broadly, though, because you do still have people who want a friendly smile and they, right. they want they want all those touch points just like they've always had right um it has enabled providers to um see more patients and allowed them to be um, profitable which everyone has this conception that healthcare makes tons and tons of money and it's it's just not yeah. the truth and so it allows them to provide good service for their patients and still be able to pay their staff well because that's a stressful job sure and and i think improve that whole continuum of care what how does that inform what you feel like the future of healthcare architecture and design is going to be so that's a, such an interesting question because the idea is well maybe you wouldn't ever have to set foot into a hospital again which obviously that's our business but I think the truth is there will always be circumstances where you will need to go to a higher acuity space meaning a space that serves a more life-threatening uh, disease or mm. illness I think that it's fantastic that now if you have the flu, you call somebody on your iPad sure. and they give you a script and that's... That's I completely think, appropriate for certain things. Exactly. Yeah. But I think that the need for surgical suites is still going to be there for at least certainly through my lifetime and probably my kid's lifetime yeah. before you're getting outside of that. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that you... Uh, like reading leadership books. So uh, I'm curious where that kind of passion comes from and what are, what are some of the things that you find you implement on a daily basis? So probably my favorite is Simon Sinek's Infinite Game. Yep. It is what's life-changing. I love his Start With Why. Oh, yes. I'm a big fan. Yep. That, I, yeah, Leaders Eat Last and all that. I've, yeah. I've read several of them. <laughs> but I think the Infinite Game one is fascinating to me because it talks about that it's you need to think farther out than just this quarter or this year or even your stint at the organization that you're in, right? That you're creating a, a legacy that hopefully continues past yeah. your use, if yeah. you will. Um, and I think that having that mindset is a little of the same mindset we have to have when we're building facilities because we're, especially hospitals, those are 50-year buildings, yeah. those or longer. You know, there are hospitals still in use today that are 100 years or more old. 
And when you're thinking long term like that, you have to make different decisions than if you're than if you're thinking short term. They can't be reactive. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that good leadership and setting up sort of that infrastructure for nurturing and growth and and how you do that with the mindset of that this will be long long after I'm gone, mm-hmm. I think is a is a very interesting thing and and it's about making that whole work structure better for everybody. In the projects that you've designed along your career or just in general decisions you've made is there is there a setback or a rejection that you kind that kind of stands out as something that helped you ultimately helped you along this path so there's been a <laughs> made mistakes for sure <laughs> I'll never forget I was a really young designer and I I, um, I had just transitioned to a job where I was the only designer on staff and I picked this paint color that looked great on the swatch, and you got it on the wall, (laughs) (laughs) and it looked like (laughs) Band-Aids, which in a healthcare environment to have Band-Aid colored walls is really not a great, (laughs) great option. Um, So I think it certainly made me more conscientious about what I selected. Get much bigger swatches. (laughs) Much bigger swatches. Yes. Well, Stacy, thank you so much for having this conversation with us. I'm I'm really excited about um, some of the projects you guys are working on that we may or may not be able to talk about yet, but we'll have you back on when we can. And just the whole idea of, of designing spaces that have such a human impact is, is incredible. Thank you for watching. Uh, we'll make sure to put extra resources down in the description below and check out our next Square episode.